praise you, Jesus. There it is. Praise you, Father. feel like there's just this quietness here this morning and I don't know if it's that second song about the sound mind I just feel like there's uh, people in here that their mind is just still going and it's just like this place of just quietness like it's just like I can't I can't uh, I don't want to do nothing I just want to veg but my mind keeps racing third song where this last part that Kirsty was was singing who can stop the Lord so if that's you and you have these this mind racing this mind boggling like with me like this whole week was just like piled up like this storm and everything just like made me have to do more things trying to prepare for this and like over the top of my other stuff and if it's even that Who can stop the Lord Almighty from just taking it all from you? So right now, I just want you just to make a prophetic act of saying, putting your hands on your head and saying, Lord, I give it all to you. I give all these thoughts. I give all these racing thoughts. I give all my concerns to you. I give all my worries to you. Have them all. I set them down at your feet, Jesus. And we just pray right now in the name of Jesus that there be no hindrance, no walls in the name of Jesus that would that would hinder you from hearing what God has for you this morning. That the thoughts would settle and that you would have full focus on what the Lord has for you. That you'd have full, full focus on the radiance of the glory of God this morning. And we just thank you for it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Well, if you can, turn around, give somebody a handshake or whatever. Give, give the worship team a hand clap. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Jesus. Thanks, guys. How's everybody doing this morning? I'm a little upset about this snow. Anybody else? I mean, God didn't, God didn't ask me, like, if we could do this, you know what I mean? Like, I'm just not ready. I'm like, like, I, like me and Mana was talking cause I was hunting and, uh, I was like, I don't even know if like these animals, like, like some of the animals, like probably ain't even got the winter, winter fur on because it went, like, tonight it's supposed to be seven degrees. I even seen in one spot four degrees. Like, who's, re- who's ready for this? Like, I don't even, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't even know if the animals are. But anyways, if y'all don't know me, I'm uh, C.W. Wagley. Uh, I've been going to the church here for, uh, shoot, I don't even know. Normally I have this figured out in my head, but 19 years or something like that. Um, and so... Uh, been here for a while. I've served in different facets of this church, uh, multiple facets. Uh, now I get to serve with the awesome worship team and my awesome wife, who's the worship leader, Kirsty. Where's she at? Oh, there she is. She's all ducking. Um, I wasn't even going to embarrass her this morning. She's ducking over there. 
But uh, anyways, uh, welcome. Thank you, pastors, for giving me the honor to uh, minister. Uh, I love you guys. You guys have prepared us so well, and, and you love the congregation. These guys... These guys love you guys. I've seen I've seen thick and thin of stuff uh, uh, with it, and they absolutely love you guys. And um, if all else fails, know that they love you. You know. So, anyways, I also uh, want to welcome Kingdom Ranch Ministries in Merced, California. Welcome. Uh, we love you guys. Praying for y'all. Uh, I'm sure it's a lot warmer out there than it is here this morning. So. Anyways, if you guys can turn with me to Galatians 4. Here in Galatians, uh, this is a letter from Paul going to the church of Galatia. I think that's how you say it. And um, I always look to pastor because he's the one who, he has the pronunciation right. Uh, I can't even say pronunciation. But anyways, he's like, yep, that's right. But uh, anyways... In in the church of Galatia, I read that it wasn't even, it's not even like a specific church. Galatia was a region. And in that region, there was like legalists, a lot of legalists. And, and they would like uh, preach and, and tell the people that they had to return to different things, right? And so here in uh, chapter 4, verse 21, it says, tell me. You who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the, the one by a bondwoman and the other by a free woman. But he who was the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and he of the free woman through promise. Which things are symbolic, for these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar, for this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is and is in bondage with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. I want to skip down here to chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage, Indeed, I, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. So they're talking here exactly what I was saying. Like, Paul is addressing this legalism thing, right? These legalists of how they're, they, start telling people that they have to be this and they're, they gotta be, and it ties them back into the law, right? And, and they, and he makes mention of Mount Sinai, right? You don't want to go back to the Mount Sinai. So what happened to Mount Sinai, right? That's where I want to kind of go just for a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to 
what I got to do here is I got to set the stage here, okay? So stay with me because there's going to be some scripture and I'm going to run through some stuff because for the sake of time, all right? So Mount Sinai was in the wilderness, right? For those of you who don't, this could be review for a lot, but for those that don't know, it's in the wilderness. Well, what happened? How'd they get to the wilderness? So the exodus out of Egypt happened, right? So the Israelites were in Egypt and they're in bondage under Pharaoh. They're slaves, right? They're slaves to Pharaoh. They're in this bondage, right? And the reason why I'm telling you this is because this is prophetic act. I know pastors have said it. Like what happens in Israel, what happens to them in the physical, we can often see that happens to us in the spirit. Right. The things that are happening in Israel right now, the war and everything like that, we can see that there's not that we're just completely under attack, but we're going to there's going to be attacks in the spirit. Right. And so this is a prophetic thing here in uh, Exodus about us. Right. So we are just like the Israelites. We were once in bondage. Right. So then God comes and he sent where he sends Moses to Pharaoh and says, Sets my, set my people free. Moses or Pharaoh's like, no way. I ain't doing it. So God brings about the 10 plagues, right? Everybody following me? So we got the 10 plagues. And on the 10th one was the death of the firstborn, which instates the first Passover. Okay. The first Passover is when, when, uh, Moses told, or God told Moses to tell the Israelites, Hey, the firstborn's going to be, uh, I'm going to, the angel of death's going to come over and it's going to kill the firstborn. But I want the Israelites to kill a lamb. And it gives all the specifics. So go and read it. I love giving homework when I'm up here. So go and read Exodus chapter one through the last chapter. I don't even remember what the last chapter is. Anyways, read it three times, four times, then tell me, tell, come back and tell me how many chapters there are. Okay. But, uh, so. Where was I? Oh, so it gives all the descriptions of the lamb, right? The Passover lamb has to be, uh, without blemish, all this stuff, right? And to, uh, when we, when they killed it, they had to put the blood over the doorpost, right? So they do that. What is that representing? Jesus was the Passover lamb, right? So in our lives, we're in bondage. We come out of bondage through Jesus. Now the blood of the Passover lamb is over our doorpost to keep the spirit of death from us, right? It's all prophetic. So they start going out of Egypt. I feel like I'm talking really fast, but I got a lot of ground. <laughs> Woo. Okay. Woosa. <sighs> all right. Um, so then they come out and they're going and they cross the Red Sea. What happens? God splits the Red Sea, right? Everybody know that story? The, the uh, Egyptians were chasing them. They got all these uh, chariots and everything coming after them. God splits the Red Sea. The Israelites cross. Boom. Baptism. Right? That's a symbolic of, a, of the first baptism. That's what happens. Like we go through the water Everything gets left in the water. Why? Because the, the Egyptians were washed up in the water. So every, all the bondage, all the old stuff, all the old life is washed away in the water, right? It's all prophetic, right? So then they go to Mount Sinai. And that's where we're at, right? So let's turn to Exodus chapter 20. I don't hear pages turning, so I'm going to take it to everybody's there. Verse 18. Did you hear that? 
once I said that, the pages start turning. I think people are just like, hey. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. Um, so here in, in chapter 20, it's what we figured it was, right? The law, the Ten Commandments. The f- verse 1 starts, uh, God's given the Ten Commandments. But we're going to start here in verse 18. Now all the people witnessed the thundering and lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoke, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you and that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. So God had already spoke all the Ten Commandments when he come down there, and he spoke that, right? So he's speaking to the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven, spoken directly to you, right? You shall not make anything to be with me, gods of silver or or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourselves. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you, and I will bless you. So he's sitting there and he's saying, he speaks to him, right? Directly to the people, not just through Moses. Then the people get scared and they're like, please, you know, talk to Moses, you know, blah, 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 lest we die. Like, we don't want that. We don't want you to be, you know, come any closer to us. So they're almost like putting a stiff arm to God, right? But then God says, hey, if you do this and make a place for me, I will come to you. And I will bless you. Right? Let's turn to chapter 32. We're still at Mount Sinai. Over these last couple chapters, God is like talking to Moses, giving law, giving like ritual laws and stuff like that. 32 verse 1. Now when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods that shall go before us, for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to him, Break up, like Aaron didn't even try talking him out of it. I'm like... He was supposed to be the one in charge. And he didn't even try talking him out of it. And Aaron said to them, Break off the gold, the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives and your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings, which were in their ears, and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, this is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, 
he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. Then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said to Moses, go get, go get down or go get down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. So when things started taking a little bit too long, they said, hey, we need a God that we can worship. And Aaron's like, yeah, no problem there. Like, I'll, I'll fix that. And then Aaron sets up a, a day, a proclamation of when they're going to actually worship. It isn't like, it's like basically on their own time. They're going to make up this stuff. Right? <laughs> And there's no arguments from the leaders. So this is after salvation. They've come out of the land of Egypt. They come out of that bondage. They come out. They're saved. They've been baptized. And they're starting to learn the ways of God. God has even spoke to them. But yet they... When it's not in their time, they start questioning and they start saying, hey, where is this? Where is this God that brought us out of Egypt? Where is this pastor that led us to the Lord? Give us a God. Give us a give us a man to follow. Aaron's like, I'll be that one. And they make a golden calf. That can be in their presence. They could walk up to that golden calf and pet it. It's crazy, too, because I also read that in Egypt, they worshipped a bull. And here they are with this calf that is lesser than a bull with the living God. And they actually say, this is the God that brought us up out of Egypt. They name this God, they they say this golden calf, they proclaim that this golden calf is the one that did all this miraculous work, that the ten plagues that set him free, that split the seas. This golden calf is the one. So it's not like they said, Yahweh, God that led us out of Egypt, you're taking too long, we're going to go and worship this God. No, they didn't do that. They said, this is him. This, this is, this is the God that we're going to worship. You see, in our culture today, I feel like just our culture, there's so much to navigate through. It's so muddy, right? In our, in the church, Big C Church, but I'm not going to exclude us. As the people, because we're part of the big C church, right? But the big C church is having to navigate through these things. And we're starting to see the same thing. Because a lot of the topics we don't want to be legalistic about, right? A lot of the topics we're saying, oh no, we have to operate in love. And so we... Follow what we think is being said in Galatians, 
And we don't want to return to Egypt. We don't want to return to Mount Sinai. Because that's bondage. But yet on the flip side, we return to the golden calf at Mount Sinai. And we start making this God that we can have the presence to. That we say we're going to operate in love because we start calling good evil and evil good. You see, we, we start making exceptions for this and we say, no, this ain't. See, we have to be careful in these moments because we start becoming like Lucifer and start exalting ourselves above God. And you say, how's that? Well, we start saying what's good and what's bad instead of letting him tell us what's good and what's bad. Because we start saying, oh, the LBGQT, like, you know, depending on what region and what church you are, that's probably a no-goer, right? Like, we're like, oh, no, like, we can't have that. And if if there's anybody part of the uh, the LBGT, LBGQT, sorry, group in here, welcome. Yeah. I want to be the first to welcome you. Yeah. I heard two years ago that, or a couple years ago that we did have uh, a couple coming here. Welcome. And that probably makes some people cringe in here. But see, here's the thing. Is we can start pushing and fighting against that. Because we get on the far right or the far left ditch. And we start saying no or we start saying yeah. And we start petting it and saying, oh yeah, we got to walk in love. We Like we condone it. But we're not concerned about the couple in the front row, you see, I'm pointing at this row because I'm not calling nobody out. All right. (laughs) I set this up. We're not worried and we're not concerned about the couple in the front row that's in premarital sex. You have to see, we we're, we're okay with premarital sex because that's in our normal culture. So we start calling evil good and good evil. Right? Because if we don't walk in love to the premarital sex couple, then that's bad. But like, it is plumb obvious that the, you know, the LBGTQ in our, in our culture, especially here in Weld, maybe Weld County, might, might not be, you know, it's just not okay. And see, I wanted, I want to talk about the people in the front row because a lot of times they're people that serve or they're people that be, that seen a lot. They're not the couple in the back row. And this ain't a condemnation message at all. Please hear me on this, okay? My point of this is, is that sin is sin. When I say welcome, like I'm not condoning the LBGTQ things. I'm not. But I want to love you. I'm not, I'm not coming down and just cracking the whip and saying, oh, if you're in premarital sex, get out of the church. No, not at all. But I will tell you this, that sin is sin and sin brings about bondage. Okay. We have to remember that it wasn't premarital sex that was the fall of man. It was eating an apple. It was eating an apple. And Kirsty and I, we went through some marriage counseling and stuff like that. And I believe it was in this video that they were talking about stuff. And it was Christian based, right? And they were given statistics of 
of like breaching the wall, like of honoring your wife or, or speaking good or anything like that. And there was a statistic that talked about that high percentage of marriages that have premarital sex in it has adultery in it. Not all, but a high percentage. Why? Because the wall was breached with sin and it gave a foothold for the enemy. The other thing that happens, I'm going to, I'm going to cut that area out just because there's ears, but, um, man, I got these new shoes. I'm tripping all over the place. I'm sorry. My kids are like, I just got them yesterday. They bought them for my birthday a month ago, but um, I'm getting off here. But anyways, they're like, oh, you can wear them tomorrow. And I'm tripping all over. But sorry. Anyways, my point of this is, is like, I'm not coming and just like whipping you with the law saying premarital sex is bad. I'm coming and saying it comes with bondage. And I can promise you one thing, that if I would have known all that, I would have never had premarital sex. To think that that time can destroy your marriage, can destroy your kid's life for generations. It can destroy your grandkids. It can, it can destroy your great grandkids. That's not worth it to me. But see, we've tried staying away from the law, the commandments so much that we've went back and tried creating this new God that doesn't tell us things like we can do whatever. Walking in freedom, we can do whatever. All we got to do is believe and we can walk. There, I heard that there's, uh, this was in the cowboy, like the ministry world. There's some guys going to rodeos and stuff and saying that all you have to do is accept Jesus and you can do whatever you want. If you kill somebody, you can do whatever you want. God will forgive you. It's not okay. What about abortion? It's another major topic in our, in our culture today. But all the while in the church, we're okay with the brothers and sisters that want to Gossip and slander somebody. And we want to murder with our tongue. See, here's the thing is when we start doing that, we, and, and I'm not saying like one mistake and boom, you're all, all of a sudden you're in bondage. This is, this is how I feel like God showed me that when you're walking with God, you're walking in this grace, right? And if you mess up, it goes like this. And there's almost like a, a elastic band that kind of starts keeping you. And, and when you start doing it, you should feel resistance. And that's the Holy Spirit guiding you, right? So you start doing it. Well, you do it again. And you're not taking to the resistance. And pretty soon, you take hold of the accuser and you say, yes, I'm in agreement with you. And you start becoming an accuser of the brethren. And then you grow this critical spirit. And this critical spirit starts making it to where you're not happy about nothing. It is literally stole your joy. Bondage. 
Because when you're walking with Christ, you should have joy in your life. But the sin of the tongue, you have joined together with the accuser of the brethren. And now you can't walk in that peace and that joy anymore. See, in the abortion, like, like once again, I'm not trying to measure the two. Okay? Because, and I called uh, some uh, lady that we know is in like deliverance and healing ministry. And I verified this because I remember hearing this like 18 years ago that somebody that has had abortion, like deals with like major things later on in life, including health issues to the point that there could be possibly like, uh, ovarian or uterus cancer because the sin took place there. And I'm not speaking this over you. I'm notifying. I'm shining light on this. Okay. So if you're somebody in here that has had abortion, like I welcome you to come up and talk to us at the end. And I want to walk with you through some stuff because that could have, that could have tied some bondage to you. And we want to break that crap off. We want you to walk in freedom, not in fear. After I just said that, I just shine light on it. Okay. Welcome again. I welcome you that if you have had an abortion here at this church. Why? Because we're going to love you. We're going to love you enough to bring you out of that bondage so that you don't have to deal with it no longer. Once again, not a condemnation message. I'm not trying to bring condemnation on y'all at all. I'm just trying to shine light of the things that we do even after we're in relationship with Jesus can bring about bondage. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is another one that I've literally seen firsthand when I've been praying for people with addictions that a lot of times there's unforgiveness to people from their childhood or unforgiveness to themselves. And you say, well, you don't know what they did. Yeah, but Jesus does. And Jesus forgave them too. How do you do that? I don't know. Talk to Jesus. I search. There's some situations where I, I'm just like, you know, even honoring your father and mother. I don't know how to do that sometimes. Have the Lord guide you in that. Like, I, I don't even want to pretend that I can put myself into your place. But I know one thing that he knows. And that if you stay, and I also know that if you stay in that unforgiveness, it brings about bondage. It brings about crap. And Jesus come to set the captives free. And so how do you get free? Him. I have no idea where I'm at in my notes. <laughs> See, obedience is not legalism. Doing what God has told us to do is not legalism. It's not being legalistic. We have to understand what that scripture in Galatians was actually talking about. It was talking about being justified by the law. See, we're not justified by the law. We're justified by Jesus. We're justified by the blood of Christ. And we're just being obedient. That's not legalistic.
Let's go back to Galatians 5. Back where we started. I should have had you put a finger. I even told myself last night when I was putting stuff together. Make sure you tell them to put a finger there. Galatians 5, 7. I'm going to start here. You ran well who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense, then the offense of the cross has ceased. I could wish that those who troubled you would even cut themselves off. And he's still talking about those talking, like those legalists talking about how you're justified through the law. We have to understand that. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you consume by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lust against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murderers, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, in which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So he says back there in verse 13, he says, Brethren have, have been called to liberty, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So even Paul is saying this. <clears throat> Saying what I'm saying. That like, he's addressing the, um, the being justified by the law. Not saying that we can just run about and choose what we want to do. See, with this thing in the culture that it's also brought about, it has also brought about this silence that is deafening on one side. Because nobody wants to talk about any of it. Like, like our, the church, not our church, some people, like some of us, I've been quiet, I'll, I'll admit I've been one of these, alright? Have been quiet and not saying nothing because we don't want to step on somebody's toes. Right? All the while, 
they have the enemy screaming in their other ear of what to do. I don't want to get into political parties, but we got one political party that is not scared for riots, that is not scared for protests, and to say what they want to say, and to try getting what they want through riots and burning down buildings and all this stuff. But then the other political side is just real quiet, real quiet. And that's the same with the church. As we're trying to walk in love, but we're not trying, but we're actually not walking in love. It has this mask and this, this costume of love because we're saying, oh, we don't want to like everybody's on their own journey. That's even something that I've, I've heard. Everybody's on their own journey. Like I let God take care of that. God oftentimes tells us to take care of stuff. And I'm not saying come and crack the whip on somebody, right? I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we got to be walking in love. I'm saying we got to be walking with them, right? It's not that we're going to go out on the streets and we're going to start ministering the gospel and we're going to start telling everybody that, hey, if you're if you're in sin, you're in bondage, blah, 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 blah. What I am saying is, is like when you start getting into relationships, you should have relationships that you're able to start speaking into people's lives, that you're actually... Uh, able to start talking to people about, hey, like, I don't know quite if that's what God wants for you. And I feel like that might be putting you in bondage. That might be restricting you. See, we need to start operating in love. But operating in love, we have to start doing things because of love. See, we start talking to our friends. We start talking in those relationships to, to the ones that we love in love because we love. We love them so much that we're willing to risk that friendship, risk them getting upset. But I'm going to love you so much because I do not want to see your marriage fail. When you too, I believe that you're probably getting married. I mean, you guys have been together for seven years and you're in this premarital sex, blah, 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 blah. I want you to get married now. Well, we got this beautiful wedding. I'm telling you, the beautiful wedding is not worth waiting for in order to have what it could bring about in your marriage. I love you enough. I love you enough to start telling you, hey man, like, I'm not listening to that anymore because you have joined up with the accuser of the brethren. You're murdering people with your tongue. I'm not listening to that no more. See, some of us, some of us actually like listening to it. Like, we actually get into the drama side of it. And that's just as bad as the other side. And we need to be able to tell one that loves it. I'm so trying not to look at people right now. <laughs> I'm like looking over people. <laughs> we, we need to be able to love people enough to say, Hey, 
I know that it like might be neat knowing all the things and ins and outs of stuff, but like honestly, that's holding you in bondage. You know what I mean? Seeing on this this side of it, there it's like a two lane deal too, because our hearts in our in this culture as people, our hearts have grown this pride to us that only God can judge me. And so we have made it, we have set it up in our in our friendships and relationships that only God can judge me. So it's none of your business. Literally, we've been told that it's none of your business. I know, but I love you enough. I, I fully get that only God can judge you. But for me, I want my friends to examine me. If I'm missing something, I want them to find it out in me so God doesn't have to judge me. I want to be able to enter into his, his courts. God, I've been so humble and so free that my friends even help wash me with your word. And I, I, I'm confident. I'm confident that I can walk, walk with you. I've surrounded myself with friends that, that are willing to. I've made that relationship. I've given the okay to say, yeah, tell me when I'm out. I'm not perfect and I, I'm humble. Tell me when I'm out. I'm going to love you anyways. And the other problem that I've found too that happens with this, and this is where it actually falls into judging, okay? That when we go and talk to them and they don't hear us and they don't want to receive what we have, to, what we've told them, our viewpoint and our love changes for them. That's a problem. That's not operating in love. Our love should not waver from the moment that we've become friends with them to the moment that we learn this about them to the moment that they don't, they say, I, I don't see it the same way. Cool. I love you anyways, but I'm still going to pray for you because I know, I know without a doubt that that brings about a certain bondage. It should not break. It should not change a relationship. Even if, even if somebody's not in agreement, it should not break that relationship. Why? Because they're both walking in so much humility. They're both walking in so much love that it says, I don't see it the same way, but I appreciate you coming to me. And you say, okay, sounds good. I'm still going to pray for you though. See, we see this example all the time. And this is, this is where I struggle too, like with people that talk about like, that we're not under the law, that we're not under this, you know, we, like, you know, you bring something up. Oh, we're not under the law, brother. Oh, I know. But you look at this example with, with Jesus and the Pharisees. And the Pharisees come running at, at Jesus. And they are some people that knew the law better than anybody, right? And they come at Jesus with all this law stuff. And Jesus rebukes them. And we want to run on those scriptures saying, even Jesus rebuked the religious. I'm not religious. But yet Jesus 
would tell people like the centurion that come to him and said, what's it take to go to heaven? And he says, this, this, and this. He listed off the law, right? And he's, oh, Lord, I've done all that. And he says, well, go home and sell all your uh, riches. And the, and the centurion left upset. Why? Because there was something higher. There was an idol in his life that was higher than, than God himself. So how can we use Jesus as the example of rebuking religious, but yet he literally did the same thing in words. But the difference was, was the Pharisees didn't have the presence of God. The Pharisees didn't have the spirit of the Lord guiding them in love when the most loving man was operating with the spirit of of God, which is love. See, when we're in his presence, we move and operate in those things. He speaks to us and we're, and we respond. I just about forgot this. I want to read this to you real quick. This is out of a Nazarite book. So that please note, this is not scripture. Okay. If the most important thing was a discipled lifestyle, oh, this is, I better tell you what it's out of. Nazarite DNA. So a Nazarite is like a, uh, in the Old Testament is like one that was set apart. They would do like the extreme things, like Samson, like wouldn't shave, wouldn't, uh, you know, shave his head or anything like that. A Nazarite was like set apart extremely for, for God. And this book is called Nazarite DNA. <clears throat> this is, uh, a quote that Mike Bickle wrote. If the most important thing was a disciple lifestyle or a dis- disciplined lifestyle, sorry, then surely the Pharisees would be our role models. They knew the scriptures better than anyone and they rigorously kept the law, yet their hearts were a loaf toward God and toward people. Discipline neither has the power nor the ability to satisfy <clears throat> the human heart. The human heart is made alive by romance, intimacy, and, mis- and mystery, and is filled by passion and adventure. If we substitute these with discipline, we will end up with a hard, cold, wanting heart in a Pharise- of a Pharisee. When discipline replaces the place of love and intimacy, the only time we feel loved is when we think we are living up to God's standards. When we fail, we'll be- will believe that we are no longer loved. The, cons- the consecration and discipline of the Nazarite must spring forth from the feeling of the spirit and the fire of God's jealousy on a human life or on a human heart. So it's out of relationship that that comes, right? In Matthew 22... 37 through 39. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. See, he said, these are the two commandments that you must follow. All the other commandments are summed up in these these two. 
See, when we're in that intimate relationship and we are loving the Lord God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, we are in this place with him that says, God, I want I want everything with you. I want nothing to hinder me to walk with you. I want nothing to hinder these ears to hear you. I just tell me what. And he says, okay, I want you to give up this. And you say, yes, Lord, I will. Why? We were pursuing righteousness. How are we righteous? Through the blood of Christ. But we are yet pursuing a righteous walk with him in, in our lives that it will bring about us just passionately pursuing him. Not from the letter of the law. But the, there is scripture that, that guides us in that too. We can't think that everything in the, in the Bible is the letter of the law. Because obeying God is not legalism, right? So we have to be pursuing Him in the, in the first commandment. Love your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And that it will keep you in that place. And then the second one, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. We should be walking in love to our neighbors, right? Does that mean like, oh, brother, you do what you want. Like, like I, I don't want to get in your, I don't want to step on your toes. We should be loving them with passion. Love brings about passion for our friends and our family. And I know some ain't going to respond. And I'm not saying you got to just keep working them. You know what I mean? Like, I'm saying like, pray, God, give us a time to talk. Open the door for that to talk, for that talk to happen. I can promise you one thing. In Kirsty and I's life, we have done it wrong almost every way that you can. I'm being serious. Like, we've lost friends because there was an issue with stuff that we didn't bring up. That we just started pulling ourselves away from them and being like, I don't want to be around that. We've lost good friends because of that. We have since repented, but that friendship has never been mended. But we didn't want to like cause confrontation. We just was like, hey, like we're starting to go separate ways. When we start going separate ways, they start saying, hey, why are you doing that? What's wrong? What's going on? A year later, we tell them and it breaks their hearts. We've done it wrong, guys. Completely wrong. And then I've also done it the wrong, the extreme other way where I brought it up to them and like not in love. And I was pounding them with the Bible. And I've lost friends. I've been one of the legalists. I wouldn't ever say it, but in my heart, it had returned to the same way return to that golden calf because I wanted to say what was right and what was wrong. See, God has instructed me. There's going to be things, I'll say this, there's going to be things that God tells you to do. If you're willing, 
to pursue him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, there's going to be things that God tells you to do that he don't tell everybody else to do. That's not actually listed in this, in, in the Bible. See, God told me <clears throat> to give up, re, uh, like reading all the stuff, a bunch of crap and <clears throat> listening to secular music. All I listen to is worship music. Now, can I go to Ty and say, hey, man, like, you do not need to be doing this. You do not, you know what I mean? Because God told me that, like, you do not need to listen to secular music. Why? Because, oh, it's terrible. It's this, it's that, it's that. No, that's not what I'm talking about neither. See, there's things that God might tell you and instruct you to do because it is hindering you. Ty might have perfect control over what music he listens to, including secular music. He don't listen to the secular music that's putting him in bondage. He don't listen to the secular music that's bringing him down. Where it was me, it was controlling me. It was controlling my mindset. It was taking me back to places in my past. See, God says, give up the, give up the secular music. So all I listen to is worship music. Do you got to do the same? No. I encourage that if it's bringing about bondage. But it's not scriptural. So what I'm saying is, is the scriptural things. Hey, brother, like, this is what I'm talking about. This this brings about bondage. Why? Because it is sin. Who said it was sin? The one true living God. Not the golden calf. Not the golden calf that I that I've molded to pet my flesh and to do the things that I wanted to do and make me feel comfortable doing the things that I do. We can't return to Mount Sinai, I guess, on two aspects. We're justified through Jesus Christ, and we can't return to that golden calf neither. operate in love loving him with all our heart soul and mind and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves and if we love ourselves that's a that's a I don't even get time but that's a whole nother thing we need to be loving ourselves so that we can love others and if you don't love yourself that's bondage you have to forgive yourself 